It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning Time for Sports 56 Mornings on this Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. The gang is all here. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd. We're in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, it's where family and fun come together. But you know that by now. You probably know their overstock sale is continuing. Great deals as you get ready for the holiday season. Looking for that special gift, head on over to Family Leisure at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by our friends at East Memphis Ace Hardware, where you can find an awful lot of stuff as well. Currently, your Tuesday morning, a little chilly as you would expect, but not too bad, 52, and it's going to heat up to about 73. We're going to have a mixture of sun and clouds tonight. Cloudy with a chance of showers, about a 20% chance. Low will dip down to around 50 tonight, but all in all, not too bad as we get closer to Thanksgiving. Coming up on the program today, Connor O'Gara joins us at 725 to talk college football. Of course, tonight will be the college football playoff rankings. Will there be a change at number one? We'll talk to Connor about that. And of course, all the latest as far as the coaching moves are concerned. At 825, Jeff Crane's back after a week off to join us from the University of Memphis. And there is a lot to talk about when it comes to Memphis athletics. And then at 9.05, our Rhodes segment, Zoe Goodson will be in studio to talk about the Rhodes men's basketball team. We have Humdinger's trivia. That'll come your way at about 8.03, 8.05, somewhere in that neighborhood to start the second hours. It does each and every week. Give you a chance to win a $25 gift certificate Two humdingers, and we'll also let you know what the topic will be for tomorrow's five favorite things. NBA Grizzlies back in action tonight against the Lakers. The men's basketball top 25 came out yesterday after we left the airways. We'll go over that as well. Some college basketball results from last night. Some college football news involving the University of Memphis. And the NFL week wrapped up last night with another game-winning field goal on the final play, the sixth of the week. Just incredible as uh, the NFL ends on a Denver win over the Buffalo Bills in the final moments. We'll take your calls and texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. Plus, you can drop us a line on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, sportsmemphis.com. That's your lineup for today. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, I know you you get tired of me talking about these parlays. <laughs> But I am the king of the bad beat. Now, granted, again, folks, I'm not some degenerate. I'm not betting lots of money. This just this was a five dollar five leg parlay bet that would have paid me a little over a hundred bucks. So here's my play last night. I have um, Kincaid to catch a touchdown, to score a touchdown for Buffalo. Check. I have Josh Allen to score a touchdown. Check. I have. Um, Lutz to kick two field goals for Denver. Check. I have Russell Wilson to complete 20 passes or more. Check. 
Allen scores late. They take the lead. 20, what was it? 22 to 21. No, I mean 22 to, yeah, 22 to 21. Buffalo has the lead. Less than two minutes to go. At home, I know the Bills have been struggling a bit. Denver's been playing well. 22-21 at home. What happens if you were not awake to watch this, folks? Buffalo pass interference call. Keeps the drive alive. Then for the game-winning field goal, Lutz misses. They have 12 men on the field. Too many men on the field. He gets a reprieve. He makes the field goal. Denver wins, and I miss my parlay. Now, that is being snake-bitten. That is bad luck. I don't see any other way around it. So you need a Buffalo to win? I need a Buffalo on the money line. I didn't even go Buffalo minus three, I think it was. Buffalo money line was the one I lost. Tough tough one. Damn, Eli. Come on now. I know it wasn't like the other dude who bet $500,000 and won. What was it? $4 million? I, I wasn't. My heart wasn't pounding out of my chest on a $5 bet, but come on, just a little bit of action, have a little fun, stayed up later than I should have. I would have went to bed if I would have known with a crystal ball that Buffalo would have blown it. And now Buffalo, my Super Bowl pick, mind you, is 5-5. and Yeah, with, um, well, they got the Jets this coming week, but they've got uh, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys after that. Yeah, one of the hardest schedules remaining is Buffalo's schedule. They... They theoretically could miss the playoffs. Josh, I just don't I just don't know what it is, why they cannot quit turning the ball over. <laughs> Josh Allen can't quit turning the ball over. It is just every single game. Do you they think just, is- they just battle themselves? They basically fight themselves. They are just constantly fighting themselves <laughs> because of turnovers last night, the penalties. Although I'll say this that pass interference penalty which happens all the time in both mm-hmm. college football and NFL football, drives me insane. Me it too. It is such a bailout call. I mean, basically, if you're a quarterback and you get under pressure, if you've got a receiver out there anywhere, just underthrow him by 10 yards and have him try and fight back to the football, and the defender's going to run into him because the defender has no other choice. Like He doesn't know. There's no way he could possibly understand that the ball's 10 yards behind him, and the receiver's about to start running in the opposite direction. I agree. Like, it's just such a bailout call. Like, that defensive back at the end when the contact was made was looking back for the football, which they tell you, oh, you got to look back for the football. I just, I, I mean, I technically, I guess it is pass interference, but it just drives me crazy because I don't know what the defensive back is supposed to do. It's a terrible throw. It's 10 yards I mean, to me, that is an uncatchable ball. That guy's not getting back to that football to catch it. And I, I just don't, it, that thing drives me insane, but it's called all of the time. It drives me crazy as well, especially when I have money on the game. But no, in seriousness, it's, you know, Buffalo, they only have themselves to blame. They get 12 men on the field on a fire drill field goal. Denver did one of those earlier in the game, but they did it well. They executed it. This one was executed. Well, until Lutz pushed it right. But Buffalo, they know what they're doing. They shouldn't be frantic. Buffalo's just got to have 11 guys on the field. The special teams unit for the field goal defense. It, it makes no sense to me how they blew it. And I just got to think, I'm, it's it's me. It's snake. I, I cost Buffalo the win. I, I'm snake bitten. So anyway, Buffalo 5-5, five and five, they're in trouble. And Denver's 4-5. and five. And not to just 
go too much on this Monday night football game. But you mentioned the turnovers and Josh Allen. Do you think Josh Allen just thinks he can do too much as far as, you know, throw a throw a pass into a tiny, tiny window or force it? Or do you just think he's he's not a real intelligent football player? No, I mean he listen, he's got a cannon for an arm. And so now and granted, the first interception it was a tip. It's just probably because yeah. he threw it too hard. Right. Um, but it, again, it's a catch that Gabe Davis should make. Like you, the ball's right in his hands and it's a deflection. Um, but he generally tries to make, because of his arm, he believes he can fit a ball in anywhere. He thinks he can make every throw there is. It was the one, there was one late in the game. And I was watching the Manning cast and they just, they said, they, they said that was, that was a reluctant throwaway because he does, like he he does not want to throw the ball away. One because he can move around like he's he's got he can with his legs he'll keep a play alive for a long time. But he he like I know the one he's talking about. It too. is defeat for him about. to have to just yes. throw the ball away and admit that there was like he will sit back there and if he sees any window at all he will try and throw a. 200 mile an hour fastball into that window and see if he can get it there. And and a lot of times he just, it's not going to happen. I mean, the NFL, those windows close in a hurry if they're even there to begin with. And he needs to learn to, hey, it's okay. Live to see the next play. Well, they also had the Cook fumble early. Now, Cook ran the ball extremely well, but then they had the, it was all Allen's fault on the exchange with Cook that just slipped out of his hand, so he he screwed that one up. Then Cook's running, gets the ball knocked out of his hands, but it bounces back fortuitous, uh, fortuitously, bounces back right into his hands, and he almost takes it the distance. They would score to go ahead in the game. That, that run was, won me my fantasy game. Good for you. Congratulations. Glad that ball, glad that ball bounced back to him. <laughs> Perfectly, right back into his hands. That's the drive that Josh Allen scored, what would be the go-ahead Touchdown, and then of course they give up the field goal in the end. So anyway, but it's the thing is this is the this I was weekend. fit to be tied last night. Let's just put it that way. When I went to bed again last night, just much like the uh, Cleveland situation, the life of a kicker in the NFL can change. Your fortunes can change in a hurry. You go, I mean, you go from dude misses the well, he missed the one extra point. The other one was not his fault to put you down by one. Then you've got the game-winning field goal, which you miss, only to get the second chance because of 12 men on the field. Then you make it, and everybody's picking you up and carrying you off the field like you're right. the hero. Like, literally, if they don't have 12 men on the field, you are the biggest goat in history. You not only miss the game-winning field, but you, you miss the extra point earlier that even put you in the position that you were trailing at that, and then all of a sudden you make the field goal. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy, you're our guy. You're, our, you're our guy, man. Hey, Will, you're our guy. It's just crazy the life of an NFL kicker and how quickly it can change from one moment to the next of going from the most hated guy in the locker room to, hey, everything's good. Let's go do it, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. A game of inches, miss it by a few inches, get a reprieve, and then knock it through. Peyton Manning, when that first one, the field goal missed, I thought was going to have a like aneurysm. <laughs> He was. He just stared like, what? What? What just happened? Because he's, you know, he's cheering for the Broncos. Like he's for one of his former teams. He's we this, we that, all this stuff. And then when that field goal missed, he, I, he was about to lose his mind. And then when they saw the flag, he's like, oh my gosh. Again, for Buffalo, 
to have 12 on the field, it's inexcusable. Sean McDermott, if that Buffalo team does not make the playoffs, I think he's fired. But anyway, we move on. From the NFL to basketball. Last night, I didn't get a chance to watch, but I kept up with the game. Let's give a lot of credit, even though it was a loss, and I hate moral victories, to the University of Memphis women's basketball team. Alex Simmons, former Tennessee Vol star, going up against her former team, was able to get that series as soon as she took over as the Memphis women's coach. Tennessee will be in Memphis next year. They go to Rocky Top. They go to Thompson Bowling. They play that team tooth and nail. They go on a 12-3 run late in the game in the fourth quarter to force overtime. The last three minutes, a 12-3 run. Unfortunately, they run out of gas. Tennessee makes their free throws down the stretch, and the 15th-ranked Lady Vols survive 84-74 by 10 in a game that was much closer than that score would indicate, but an overtime game. Again, not in the moral victories, but that was a hell of an effort. Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously a very tough place to go play, and um, I'm sure a lot of motion for her going back there and playing against her former team. And uh, yeah, it was a, it's a heck of an effort, heck of an effort for them. Now they will head to the Bahamas, where the Memphis men's basketball team will be next week, Thanksgiving week, after playing their game Friday night against Alabama State. And for the University of Memphis men's basketball team, we were contemplating this on the show yesterday. I think we both came to the conclusion that they would probably be on the outside of the top 25 looking in, but I said they would get a lot of recognition. That's exactly what happened. They just missed out. They got 53 votes, which would place them 26 if you stretched the top 25. So one spot outside the top 25. And already last night, Villanova lost the 21st-ranked team in the nation, lost to Penn, 76-72. So more than likely, unless the Tigers stub their toes on Friday night. They will be in the top 25 next week. Kansas, 51 first place votes. They're number one. Purdue got seven. They're number two. Arizona got three after that big win over Duke. They're number three. Marquette is fourth. And then the defending champion, UConn Huskies, got the lone remaining first place vote. They are fifth. Then it's Houston, the Tennessee Vols, Creighton, Duke, Florida Atlantic from the American Conference. Here's your top 10. Some other schools of note from the SEC, Texas A&M 13th, Arkansas 14th, Kentucky 17th, Alabama 22nd. And by the way, Colorado was the last team in the poll at 78. So they had 78, Memphis at 53. But again, with the Nova loss last night, Tigers should be in the top 25 next week. Yep, you revoted today, they'd be in. That's right, <laughs> but you don't. Uh, Memphis also got their first signing of the class of 2024. It was announced yesterday. Four-star guard Jared Harris from Texas, the number 86 prospect overall in the class of 2024, has signed with the University of Memphis. Mentioned Villanova lost last night. Arkansas got a win over Old Dominion, 86-77. And then Michigan, which will be the Tigers' first opponent next week in the Atlantis event in the Bahamas, they beat St. John's and Rick Pitino's team 89-73. So it looks like a pretty solid team for Juwan Howard and Michigan this year. Again, the Tigers' first opponent uh, next week. Tonight, interesting games include Michigan State and Duke and Kentucky and Kansas. What's that, that State Farm event that they the have Champions every year? Champions Classic. Champions Classic. 
That'll be tonight. The Grizzlies tonight on the road in Los Angeles. They're still on the road in L.A. They won Sunday against the Clippers to improve to 2-8. They'll take on the Lake Show at 5-5 five five tonight. Staples Center. 9.30, as I said. Crypto.com. Crypto.com, as the name changed, of course. Yes, Crypto.com. It just rolls off the tongue. Crypto.com. I'm going to still call it the Forum, even though it's not the same building. Um, haven't seen an injury report for tonight yet. Not sure what LeBron James' status is. I have not seen the Lakers' injury report. So LeBron wasn't able to go in their last game. That was the loss to Houston, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe that was our last game. Yeah, uh, Anthony Davis did play, so we'll see if LeBron's back for this one. Grizzlies try to string back-to-back wins together. Uh, after the game tonight, they'll head back home and then back on the road once again for a game Saturday against the San Antonio Spurs. From the college football world, Seth Hennigan, Memphis Tigers quarterback, named the American Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Went for 32 out of 48 against Charlotte for 329 yards and a couple of touchdowns. His 300, his 16th 300-yard passing game, which is now a University of Memphis record. Think about that. The fine quarterbacks that have rolled through this program, especially recent quarterbacks, Brady White, Paxton Lynch, Riley Ferguson, going back to Danny Wimprine, and then before that, Steve Matthews and some others. He is number one on that list with 16 300-yard passing games and counting. LeBron's listed as questionable for tonight. Questionable? Okay. I was asking the guys on our way to Charlotte, how would you rank the Memphis quarterbacks all time? And it was interesting because everyone had had a different list. But Seth Hennigan... Especially if Seth returns for a final year, the numbers he's putting up, who knows if he won't own all the records when it's all said and done. Uh, yeah, he certainly has a chance. I mean, it's just the, the, yeah, the game has changed. <laughs> and if you, especially if you stay nowadays, if you stay somewhere for four years, if you're going to be a four-year starter somewhere, you're probably going to rewrite the record book. The game has changed, but all the passing records have been accumulated over the last, what, 10 years? So you can compare, you're not comparing a guy from the 60s or a guy from the, even from the 80s. So it's a tough call. Again, I've asked a lot of people and a lot of them have different answers. Many of them say Brady White. Some of them say Paxton Lynch. You even have a, you're throwing out Riley Ferguson every once in a while. And then there's some that say it's going to be Seth Hennigan or even feel right now it's Seth Hennigan. Memphis, by the way, as they get ready for this battle with SMU this weekend. And we'll have plenty more to talk about as far as this matchup is concerned as the week progresses. We'll, of course, have the coach, Ryan Silverfield, on Thursday. And we'll have our Tiger football report. But the Tigers went from the early line, they were a six-point underdog. That line has now moved to eight and a half. Their defense doesn't inspire a lot of faith in people, I don't believe. (laughs) I'd say you're correct with that. Eight and a half points. SMU, by the way, number 10 in the nation in offensive efficiency, number 11 in defensive efficiency. That may surprise a few people as far as their defense is concerned. Yeah, I I, I mean, but they have, um, I mean, they have blown some teams out. And that's not like they've racked up a bunch of great wins. 
Right. Um, it's right. just, you know, when they've played some of these bad teams, they've blown them out. Whereas the Tigers have struggled and given up a lot of points. SMU, a lot of those have been, you know, 40, 50 point games. From the world of Major League Baseball, the hardware is starting to roll in. Yesterday was the Rookie of the Year awards and two unanimous winners, Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles and Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks. No surprise there whatsoever. No, not at all. I mean, Corbin Carroll was, that was a, been his award for (laughs) months and months. Um, Maybe it was a little more question in the American League, but it was, he was definitely going to win. I guess there maybe there was a question whether he would be a unanimous selection, but Mm -hmm. Um, Carol, there was a uh, there was no chance of him not winning that award and not being unanimous. And from the world of soccer, if you missed this, it was announced yesterday that the University of Memphis men's soccer team had made the NCAA tournament field. And looky, looky, here comes Cookie. They host SIUE in the first round of the men's soccer tournament on Thursday night. Your alma mater. That's right. Look out. Who are you rooting for? Um, come on. <laughs> My Cougars. Uh, didn't exactly uh, put a scare into Mizzou last night. You know, Mizzou got was looking forward to the big matchup last night with SIUE. That's why they struggled against the Tigers. Are oh, you talking about hoops now? Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, what was the final? Uh, Sixty-eight fifty, I think it was something like that. All right, it's respectable. He didn't lose by fifty or anything like that. But anyway, their soccer team will be here to play they've the always, University of Memphis men's soccer team on Thursday. They've always had a good soccer program there at SIUE. Also, it was announced that the time. And the day for the University of Memphis women's soccer team round of 32 matchup. They will take on Notre Dame in Fayetteville Friday at 3 o'clock. Jeff Crane from the University of Memphis will join us at 825 to talk all things University of Memphis. Right now I want to talk all things Meadowbrook Country Club. 1250 West Broadway in West Memphis, Arkansas. Folks, when I say it's a quick trip from anywhere. It really is. You're talking about 10 to 15 minutes from Midtown or Downtown. Just cross the river and look, you don't got to pay the ferryman. Just go across the bridge and then head on over to Meadowbrook Country Club. It's a country club that was established in 1959. A challenging layout with Bermuda greens. It was private for all these years, but now it's semi-private, meaning you can use it as a daily fee course. Yes, open Tuesday through Sunday. Just call up, set up a tee time, and play this challenging course. $59 in tax, but that includes your cart. Call 870-394-4186. That's 870-394-4186. If you're driving around, don't try to write down the number. Just look it up, Meadowbrook Country Club. Give my buddy Mark Bartlett a call. He's the pro there. Set up your tea time. You can also become a member of the Country Club if you like. If you're especially living in that area, $350 per month includes golf and tennis, pickleball as well. They got a great swimming pool, restaurant, and bar. All the amenities, $350 per month. If you want a golf lesson, you call Mark Bartlett. If you want to be fitted for Shrixon Clubs, he's one of only three in the area, three people that can fix you or or, set, or, or fit you rather for Shrixon Clubs. Mark can take care of that as well. The guy was on the PGA Tour. He knows what he's talking about. So give Mark a call. Set up your tee time today. Open Tuesday through Sunday, 870-394-4186 for Meadowbrook Country Club. When we come back, Connor O'Gara joins us to talk college football. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM 
and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. the time, hour number one here on Sports 56 Mornings on this Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. And every other Tuesday, we get a chance to talk college football with the one and only Connor O'Gara. It's time to talk some SEC and college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Connor O'Gara from SaturdayDownSouth.com and SaturdayTradition.com. Here's Connor O'Gara with Greg and Eli. As I mentioned, we talk every other week with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South and Saturday Tradition. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. I spent all night, Connor, last night just pounding my head against the wall trying to figure out some topics to talk about today. I couldn't come up with much. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Man, I hope you're joking because it feels like... <laughs> of course <laughs> I am. Ahead of the lightest week in the SEC, I'm like looking at what I'm going to talk about on the podcast tomorrow. I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm going to fit this under two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> like, this is going to be tough. Oh, it's it's absolutely incredible. All right, let's 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 start with, I guess, the, the latest of the news, which was the Monday news yesterday, the Zach Arnett firing from Mississippi State. Uh any surprise with that move? And then what do you think about a replacement? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of surprise. I think not so much in the present moment, but more so in the fact that Zach Arnett was not an interim coach. He was allowed to hire his own staff. He brought in his new offensive coordinator, Kevin Barbet from Appalachian State. It did not go well. It was always going to be a difficult transition away from the Mike Leach air raid and doing so with the the timing probably just did not work out, and that was something that Zach Garnett had to wear. He was the second youngest Power 5 head coach. I think he will land on his feet just fine and be a great Power 5 defensive coordinator, and eventually maybe he'll get another opportunity down the road. But, yeah, his replacement, look, I'm starting in one place, and it's the place the Mississippi State fans know all too well. I'm starting with Dan Mullen, and I have to make that call because even though if I'm Zach Selman, new athletic director who was hired after the Zach Garnett higher post Mike Leach death after all that happened. If I'm making that move, I'm looking at the guy who's had, you know, more modern success there than anybody. And who right now you don't have to pry him away from Oregon state, like Jonathan Smith. You don't have to pry him away from Kansas, like Lance Leipold or Liberty and Jamie Chadwell. Those candidates are all great. They're all fantastic. I'd be going to Dan Mullen and I'd make him say no. Do you believe, do you think he would jump at the chance to go back there? I talked with Dan Mullen for about an hour in August, and every sense I got from him was that he had this itch that he felt he needed to scratch at Florida, and he felt he had taken Mississippi State as far as it could go. Does that mean that he would never entertain that opportunity again? No. 
is it going to be a, a more difficult sell than just simply, hey, you want to come home and here's $4 million bucks to do it? Yeah, it's going to be a more difficult sell than that. And I think he looks at the landscape of the league and he's like, man, it's going to be really difficult. That's an uphill climb. But you have to at least see. And you have to see what that sense of urgency is like. He loves his life right now. He loves his life doing the ESPN gig. When I talk to him, he's like, yeah, I haven't had to work all offseason. just went to London, went to Paris with the family. I'm going on the boat as soon as we hop off this interview in Lake Coney. Like, this is... This is what he his life has become, and he's okay with that. He doesn't need the money. But it is something where it would have to take some coaxing probably from both parties. Both parties would probably need to be all in to make this work. All right, down at College Station, obviously the huge news on Sunday. Jimbo Fisher let go, owed $76 million as he's let go um, with, without the cause. So they, they certainly have to pay him his money, give the man his money. But here's the thing. People now are, um, as people, journalists, some journalists are writing about the demise of college football. And the big reason why is that type of money that's just kind of thrown around haphazardly and coaches that are paid that much money. The way I look at it is, hey, they have the money. They have the boosters. They got deep pockets. They want to spend the money. Now they want to eat the money to bring in a new coach. That's their prerogative. It's not the demise of college football. But Jimbo Fisher is out, and now the names are surfacing. Interesting names, including Dan Lanning's name. Dan Lanning came out yesterday and said, 100%, absolutely, I am not leaving, if you believe what the man said. Lane Kiffin said, I'm not going down that road again after what just happened at Auburn. So those are the type of names that you're going to hear. Jim Harbaugh, obviously, as well. Yeah, the uh, look, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle with that. There are a lot of Aggie, there are a lot of programs within that A&M athletic department that are probably really frustrated looking at that buyout. That, I think, is more so the takeaway internally and what it means for college sports as a whole when Look, we're numb to money in college football, but guys, the richest buyout ever paid before that to a head coach was Gus Malzahn, $21.5 million. Bucks. This was three and a half times that, and it's why I kept my Iowa notebook, and I would show it repeatedly and say, guys, this is ridiculous, the amount of money that they're going to have to pay to fire him one day. And I didn't think that they would do it, and then they did it. So now you're looking at this investment, and it is a wild, unprecedented college sports investment that they are going to have to make to hire a replacement, and the amount of money that's going to cost. Like, it took Billy Napier, like, it was like a $70 million investment to get him to Florida with all of his support staff and all those things. So if you're looking at that kind of money with his replacement, and, oh, by the way, the amount of money that it costs to be able to sustain a college football roster, much less a competitive one in this day and age with NIL and transfer portal, good luck, man. Good luck with all that. They just bid off the biggest check that we're ever going to see paid to assemble a college football roster for a program that's going to go about eight and four. Like that is a crazy thing to process. Mm. And to me, it, it, it is a sign of some, some troubling things to come. And I, I don't really know what that replacement list looks like beyond Lane Kiffin, Dan Lanning, that, that is realistic for what they are going to want. But who's, who, who's paying for the money? Who's paying these coaches? The, the boosters are paying. So what do we care? Right. What do we care? Well, yeah, I mean, look, we we don't care until that check bounces or until they can't fund that money. <laughs> like, until the check bounces. <laughs> look, I'll, I'll, I'll believe when I see it that all that money is paid in full and we don't have a lawsuit on our hands. I mean, think about how much money that is. And you've got athletic departments right now, possibly one in a certain Fayetteville, Arkansas, that's like $16 million bucks. God, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to pay that. This is $76 million. Yeah. You don't find that in between your couch cushions. You just don't. So, 
Look, I, I will. I, I don't necessarily think it's the demise of college athletics. I just think it's kind of like, what are, what are we doing here? What are we really doing here when that type of money is being paid for a coach who wasn't particularly good? Do you believe tonight, um, on the backs of the blowout win over a top ten team, Georgia goes to number one in the playoff rankings? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think the time is right. I think beating Ole Miss like that, a respected Ole Miss team, I, I think that is going to push push. Georgia over the top of Ohio State because there you can no longer make the case that Ohio State has, has two wins that are better than Georgia's and Michigan's and that's I think the difference so I, I think that Georgia with the way that it beat Ole Miss I mean that was a drubbing and having Brock Bowers back doing Brock Bowers things in that football game having their defense look lights out despite the fact that they lose Jamon Dumas Johnson last week in the zoo game like it just doesn't matter with Georgia, and so I do think that they're going to move up to number one because that Mizzou win has also aged really nicely as well. So I, I think you're looking at a situation in which Georgia is going to be number one, Ohio State two, and Michigan will stand pat at three and claim that it's some us against the world thing, and it's not just the fact that their resume is incredibly thin. Yeah, we own that saying here in Memphis. It's Memphis versus everybody. Now you got uh, Michigan yeah. versus everybody. Come on now. But what do you think ends up happening Friday, I guess, is the hearing. Harbaugh says, let me add him. I want to speak, and he expects to speak during the – I don't know what he can say. But what do you think ends up being the uh, the end-all, be-all with Michigan and with Harbaugh? I think Harbaugh gets a regular season suspension, and he comes back in the postseason. I think that's what happens. Michigan is so Michigan and Michigan fans are as delusional as any college college program I've seen in recent memory. I mean that post game interview. I'm just like, did did Jim Harbaugh die? Do I need to get on Twitter X, whatever we're calling it these days, and make sure I didn't miss that? Because like, what are, what are we doing here? You beat a team that you beat repeatedly year after year. And your head coach wasn't out there. He was down the street watching in a hotel room. Right. Give me a break. Like, give me a break. This us against the world. It's us against the world because you cheated. And now the world is like, hey, you cheated. You should be punished. That's the way that we work. We like to see people held accountable. And Michigan is making this out to be like, oh, we're the scapegoats. They're singling us out. Mm-hmm. No, you you were the scapegoat because your guy had a 500-page manifesto about how he's going to take over your program and the steps that he was doing to get there. Like, right. this is... This is just absurd that Michigan has gotten to this well, point. Be, I'm going to be curious just to see what he says on, on Friday. But do you think he's back after this season? No, I think he's gone. Okay. I think Me more too. likely is that he's going to the NFL. Hopefully to my Chicago Bears. Look, I'll become the biggest Harbaugh fan ever if that happens. But if he goes <laughs> to the Bears, things could change in a hurry. You want Connor Stallions on those sidelines. Uh, look, no, I'm just stands. saying. The guy the stands does other <laughs> You look. You don't have to do that in the NFL because you know they actually believe in these things called radios in the in the yeah. in the in the helmets. Um, but yeah, we uh, look. We'll, we'll take what we can get with the Chicago Bears right now. If the McCaskey family turns their nose up to Connor Stallions, I, I don't know. That might be the end of my Bears fandom. <laughs> no, it is. It is so. Like the act, the the fact that they're acting mistreated, like oh, I, I feel sorry for us. It drives me. I, this whole thing is driven me crazy about Michigan and Harbaugh, and it makes me like, I really want Ohio State to beat them. <laughs> Normally, I go into that game and I yeah. don't care. I was wanting, I wanted Penn State to beat them, but I knew Penn State couldn't do it because Penn State always loses these games. But now I really want Ohio State to beat them. Michigan, the little engine that could. We just feel bad for yeah. those guys, you know. The little oh, guy, one for the win, one for the little guy. Get, get out of here. Like, to me, that's, it's just so ridiculous it that is. it's gotten to this place. And I, I, I do think that, it, that it's going to set up for, 
for some drama. And look, we need that in this sport. We need heroes. We need villains. Michigan is so much more villain than victim. Like they're they're acting like this decision was made because the Big Ten commissioner heard Big Ten coaches say you got to do something, mm-hmm. and it's the NCAA that gave him their findings, and they gave him what they've already been able to uncover. Michigan fans are just like, oh no, this this due process has to play out. It's like, well, you already have proof of these things from the NCAA investigation. Yeah, it's just absurd. Kind of right now, who would be, what would kind of be your Heisman ballot if you voted today? Jaden Daniels would be one. He would. Um, and I would probably have Bo Nix, and then that third spot would be a mix between Michael Penix Jr. and Marvin Harrison Jr. And I look, I watched those games back-to-back, and I watched the, the LSU-Florida game, and I watched Bo Nix against a very disastrous USD defense. And the command that Jaden Daniels has, he got every blade of grass he wanted to, and he's been doing that all year. And if you tell me, oh, the losses, the losses, then tell me why Jaden Daniels, um, you know, tell me that he's supposed to be playing corner and that he's supposed <laughs> to be having coverage on the outside, too. This isn't 1945 anymore, like, He's been unbelievably good, better than I ever thought possible, better than I thought he could ever be after seeing him in that opener in my neck of the woods here in Orlando against Florida State. He would be number one on my ballot. See, that's what, like, it amazes me that, like, in the betting lines that Knicks has gone to the favorite and not Daniels. Just off of the week he just had, I mean, the dude did, like, doing stuff that never been done. And I, it's like, I don't understand why. To me, he should absolutely be the favorite. Is right it now. because they have, what, three losses now? Yeah, LSU has three losses. Yeah. And then here's the other thing, and it's something to keep in mind. It's something that now, like, I got a Heisman vote last year. So I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to do all the things that I said I wouldn't do and get, get away from that, all the things that I criticized. Conference championship weekend is loud. It is loud in the Heisman Trophy race. And as we saw, like, 2018, when Kyler steals it from Tua, mm-hmm at the end with how he played in the conference championship compared to uh, even though they're not playing the same competition. But Bo Nix is very likely going to have a chance to play in a conference championship game, and Jane Daniels won't. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is baked in with those odds, and that's probably why they sit where they sit right now. All right, I, need, I need Marvin. I need your boy Marvin. Uh, the one you said, Marvin Harrison. I need him to continue to play well and have a huge game against Michigan because I put money on him in the preseason. So I, I need him to get up there and win. I don't know that he's winning, but I think getting to New York and maybe hedging out, that might be the better play. Real quick, Connor, before we let you go, predictions. Uh, what What's the uh, – I, I would assume you like Georgia at Tennessee, but do they blow them out? I don't think they blow them out because I think the style that Tennessee plays after the grind that Georgia's schedule has actually been the last three weeks, I think that could actually make for a, a tough down-to-the-wire type game, but – I I can't bet against Georgia. Georgia finds so many different ways to beat you. So, yeah, I, I will take the dogs to go into Knoxville and hand Tennessee their first home loss in two years. And what about Washington and Oregon State? Uh, Washington still. still? Uh, look, they're, okay. they're playing with fire. They're, they're playing with fire. They, they, haven't, they haven't won a game by more than 10 points in like a month and a half. Like People are making those LSU 2019 comparisons, and all they've done is play in these nail-biter, thriller-type games. Very good football team, high-powered offense, but still, I'll take Washington. They, they are finding ways to win, but it is a little bit more reminiscent of, like, 2022 TCU 
in 2019 LSU. Yeah, of course, if the guy hadn't dropped the interception short of the goal line, they would have won this one by double digits. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I hate I, that trend. I, I still can't believe I know, guys I know. Do that. that dude wasn't even like That dude dropped it like the two-yard line. I, I don't even know why they, they did this. But anyway, uh, Michael Penix is, is my favorite. He's my favorite player. He's my favorite quarterback. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. But I am really, really interested in that one because I think Oregon State may very much pull off the upset this weekend. He is Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Saturday tradition, read all his great stories, check out the podcast. He always has great guests, including Dan Mullen recently, I guess back in the summer. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. Catch him every other week talking with us right here on Sports 56 Mornings. Thank you, Connor. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Take care. Folks, Memphis Barbecue Supply, uh, if you are Getting ready for your Thanksgiving meal. Thinking about that Thanksgiving meal. Thinking about that turkey. You need the supplies to make that turkey perfect for Thanksgiving. Go see the folks at Memphis Barbecue Supply. They can help with that Thanksgiving feast. Whether you're deep frying it, whether you're smoking it, whether you're just sticking it in the oven, however you're cooking that turkey, they've got things you need like brines, injections, the brine bags and buckets. They've got over 20 different turkey injections and brines. They've got over 300 different rubs and sauces. They've got the, the woods. If you're looking, if you're going to be smoking it, obviously they got the charcoal, they got the pellets, but they also have the different wood flavors, whichever one you want. I think when I've done mine, I've always used, I think I've used apple um, when I've done the turkey for Thanksgiving. They've got all of that for you at Memphis Barbecue Supply, plus thermometers, the injectors, all those little things to help you make that cook as simple as possible to make sure it is absolutely perfect. Plus, you've got questions maybe it's the first time you've done this uh cook the turkey for your thanksgiving they can answer those questions they got a great staff jimmy and his staff over there will answer those questions for you 7041 stage road online mbbq mbbqsupply.com go by see them check them out online you can order online as well at memphis barbecue supply so who are legitimate candidates to take over the texas a&m job also the Tigers and SMU gearing up for a showdown on Saturday. Want to talk about that? We want to open up the phone lines and the text lines to you. 360-8255. Same number to call in or text in. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. We'll open up with Humdinger's Trivia. We'll get to your calls and texts. And Jeff Crane from the University of Memphis at 825. Five favorite things. uh, That'll happen on Wednesday, tomorrow. So, on Tuesday, we give you the topic for the week. This week's topic. Your five favorite athletes, college or pro, that was born or that were born in the Memphis metropolitan area. Your five favorite collegiate or professional athletes that were born in the metropolitan Memphis area. So that would include northern Mississippi, would include eastern Arkansas, anywhere in the general metropolitan area of Memphis. That's tomorrow's five favorite things topic. Okay, so on 
face value, Eli, if you believe Dan Lanning, who came out and said, no way, I'm staying at Oregon, if you believe him, you take him out of the mix. Lane Kiffin's name will pop up again and has popped up again. Mike Norvell, I can't see Mike Norvell leaving Florida State. Jim Harbaugh obviously is an interesting name, but I agree with Connor. I think he ends up in the NFL. You have a couple of guys that are out of coaching right now that could be interesting candidates for the Texas A&M job. Cliff Kingsbury, Urban Meyer. What direction do you think they may go? Because I still think they're going with a name. They have to make a splash. It's Texas A&M. I can't imagine they're going to go with a relatively unknown up-and-comer offensive coordinator somewhere. I mean, they'll they're gonna they'll swing for the fences like they do, and like they have the ability to do because of the money. I mean, again, when you're paying when when you've paid somebody seventy six million dollars to go away, um, we know the NIL situation down there is really good. I get there's uh, the facilities, everything else, the commitment to the program. There is a um, it is a it's an attractive job. So I I I, I mean. They will swing at everybody. Now they might get told no, and there will probably be a lot of coach. There might be some coaches that use them to get raises and extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Sexton represents see, all of them. See Jimmy Sexton's coaching <laughs> list, um, and then Jimmy will probably end up putting somebody in that job anyway. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know who it is. I don't know who would be willing to leave their current job. But um, there's, it's one of the best jobs in America, despite the fact that they haven't won a whole lot here in recent times. But do you have an educated... Yeah, I agree with everything you said there, but do you have an educated guess no. as to who it could be? Like, do you think Lane Kiffin would leave? Uh, I don't think he's going to leave for Texas a and I don't think so either. But it wouldn't shock me if he did. Okay, no, I'm with you. Mike Norvell, probably not leaving, right? I'd, uh, he would be... the. I can't see him leaving the ACC to go to the SEC in that situation. He's in a position right now where they might be able to dominate the ACC. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they might also leave the ACC if they can in in the next few years. Uh, but I I think he would I think at this point he will be staying in Florida at Florida State. If you believe Dan Lanning, he loves it at Oregon. Why wouldn't you love it at Oregon? Of course they're going to the Big Ten. Does Urban Meyer make sense at this time? I don't if Urban Meyer wants to coach, he's had great success everywhere he's been. Could they do something crazy? Remember, they went out and got Jimbo Fisher after a national championship. Could they go after Dabo? I don't think Dabo would be, at this point, with where Clemson is, I don't think. He would be attractive to them? No. Kingsbury do anything for you? Uh, get. I don't see them going down that route, just because it's not like his track record in college with some great track record. He, they were, you know, not granted that Texas Tech's not an easy job to win at, but right. it's not like he racked up a bunch of wins at Texas Tech. He was barely above 500, and then he goes to the NFL, fails there, and gets fired. I don't I don't think that's going to be satisfy that fan base. I don't see guys like Lincoln Riley leaving USC. I don't see Brent Venables leaving Oklahoma. I don't see Ryan Day leaving Ohio State. I, I don't know. I, it just it doesn't seem like there's a plethora of really good options unless you can you can convince Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan. But why would he leave his alma mater 
to go to Texas A&M. He's going to more than likely go to the NFL. So again, it'll be interesting to see which direction they go in, but it is A&M. They are making a splash. Now with Mississippi State, that's a different ballgame. Mississippi State may go after Dan Mullen, who was there and had success. But I think that with Mississippi State, they could be a type of program that brings in a hot coordinator. And this time, bring in an offensive coordinator. Stop it with the defensive coordinators. I know Barry Odom's done a real nice job at UNLV in the Mountain West, but for the most part, get yourself an offensive coordinator. You'll thank me later. Again, if I, I mean, if I'm Mississippi State, so yesterday my first call is Jamie Chadwell. I, I if, like it. I like get it. the Dan, and I don't know that you can get Chadwell. I don't know what you know. He had a lot of chances to leave Coastal Carolina, never went to any of those jobs. Um, ends up going to Liberty. Uh, you know, I don't know what. He but he probably never had a Power Five offer, though, right? Or at least a power, uh, an SEC Power Five offer. Yeah, but I, he may have a certain job or whatever that he really likes and mm-hmm. wants or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Mississippi State's a difficult job. Really difficult and getting more difficult. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, for somebody like that, he may say, no, that, that's I would much rather wait for a better job that um, gives me a chance to win at a high level in the Power Five. And so, because um, he's going to have more opportunity. Hell, I mean, Texas A&M could end up, you know, with looking at Jamie Chadwell. I, I don't know. Um, you know, again, my guess is that Texas A&M hires a, ha- a head coach from somewhere. I think they'll probably hire a Power 5 head coach. All right, when we come back, Hour 2 will open up, as I mentioned, with Humdinger's Trivia. We'll get to your calls and texts. want to talk a lot about the Tigers and the SMU and the importance of this game. We'll also get back into the Grizzlies later on as they try to make it back-to-back wins, taking on the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. Jeff Crane from the University of Memphis will join us at 825. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 